Well, here we are back on a Wednesday morning. Uh, anything going on this morning, Kenny? Uh, you know, I uh, I notice on my schedule here, I got something I have to fill for a while here. Uh, looks like uh, looks like maybe we've got something that we can just uh, fill in, throw into this. Bo- oh, it's Pete Woods. <laughs> <laughs> Well, how are you doing, Brad? Beautiful day down in Florida. Yeah. Oh, God, Peter, it is gorgeous, too. It's almost 80 degrees already. The sun is shining. I'm watching the golfers play here. It's fantastic. Brad, I need to remind you, we don't care. (laughs) That's what it looks like up here. What are you talking about? It's beautiful. I see dirt being moved, workers working, the trees are falling, the sawdust is flying. It's a great day. It is, it is. Hey, I got a question for you and your guest, uh, Henry Scheinbeck. First is it, first of all, Henry, did I pronounce your name right? Darn close. It's Schinnebeck, you know, a good old German name. Schinnebeck. Okay, Schinnebeck. Uh, now, let me ask you both a question because because I had a, I had a caller and knew that you were going to be on this morning and asked this of you guys. What do loggers do in the spring when the when the road uh, limits are on? In other words, the frost is coming out of the ground. The state highway won't. Uh, the state patrol won't let you run on certain roads. Do you just stack wood for later on, or 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 what's you know? I don't know which one of you wants to answer that, but. Uh, what do you do when the road restrictions are on? Uh, if, if nobody's listening, we'll haul at night so nobody knows and bust up the roads then. How does that sound? Oh. <laughs> no. Can, Kenny, can we delete that off the uh, – I don't think we have that. <laughs> no, no. The truth is a lot of maintenance goes on now. We do a lot of uh, – your, your, your whole year is based off of right now. What we do is we plan our whole year out where you're going to cut, what you're going to do. But your main thing right now is doing a lot of maintenance. And uh, okay. like ourselves, we do have a little bit, bit of wood piled up, and that will be delivered to to the, to the mills off of a 10-ton road. But you take all your secondary, like dirt roads, um, restricted roads, they are restricted. And if you start hauling out of there, even if you try at night, somebody's going to turn you in, and it's not sure. worth it because you can get some heavy, heavy fines in front of a judge style. Now, there are parts, I think, Henry, in Wisconsin, aren't there, that the, there is no weight bans on some of the roads? Isn't that true? Yeah, that? that's true. I mean, there's a lot of different areas where it's uh, all sand soil. Um, the roads, the frost comes out pretty quickly. There's so much sand that it absorbs water right away. And there, there are certain areas yeah. where you can work year-round, but they're very limited. Um, you know, and for us, it's all about uh, – doing the right thing in the forest too is not rutting it up and that type of thing so i think loggers sure. are very cautious about what they're doing during spring thaw well i i think so too but but let me ask that question in another way peter similar question but maybe just a little different touch i know that uh you know in the winter when the frost goes into the ground and specifically into those peat bogs that you can now drive across in the winter what happens with all that uh, with all that extra wood that you cut in those areas that you maybe don't get across uh, that peat bog before it starts to thaw? Or or do you just make it a point to do that? You just make it a point that we're going to get it out of here before the frost comes out of the ground? Well, you try and get it all out, their sale before the frost comes out. But if that frost comes out, you have to get all your stuff out. Because if so, some of those roads are pretty bad, they're they're fairly long, you know, and if that frost comes out, you're not going to get out there and get your stuff out even for till next winter. 
because it can get sure. so bad you won't even get it out. So we've had, like this winter, we've had some sales that, one sale we, we were on personally, that we didn't get the whole thing off uh, across the swamp. And what we'll do is the state is supposed to allow extensions for all their permits that were going to expire and did not get them off. The state is allowing a one-year extension for free for those of us that didn't get them off because of the winter. And that's some stuff that you have to be legislatively, I guess you could say, involved with to try and help get that accomplished. And okay. now what's going to happen is next year we'll have to go back to the same sale, push it out, freeze it down, and then go and finish it off next winter. And that'll be those bad swamps, you know, you may be till February before you can cross it, you know. And we'll cross oh, yeah. swamps, you know, two, three, four miles long, and there's there's bottom, but it may be anywhere from 5 to 40 feet down. So it's Whew. it can be dangerous. But you get it's something you just grow up you doing you just get used to what you're supposed to be doing out there and yeah the frost yeah. is out you're not going to be coming across there could still be some frost in some of those roads that'll hold like a four wheeler or something like that maybe but it's getting so thin now that it would be dangerous I wouldn't even go out there at all you know have you ever had a, a situation or known a logger that has maybe waited a little too long and lost a piece of equipment in there to these never ending bottoms I mean some of these bogs like you say. They have bottoms in them that uh, are 30, 40 feet deep. Uh, we're a little bit different than a lot of guys in Wisconsin. I don't think go across the swamps as bad as we do. But uh, there are spots where we've had, it wasn't at the end of the year, because a lot of times on these swamps, you can come across a swamp and the rear ends on the truck can be just about dragging in the water, okay? And you'll yeah. get the high ground and you'll get stuck there, okay, on your truck road. You have to uh. fix them up when you're done. So a lot of times the swamp is still strong when you're getting out. It's the high ground will give out way sooner. That that has happened many times where, okay, we got to get out. The roads are going bad. Pull out, and you may have to go back with the cat and trim up the truck road a little bit. But uh, some of those swamps, they'll hold a long time. It's kind of like looking out on Lake Superior right now. There's still ice out there, and you'd think it'd be all gone, but there's still pretty thick ice. Not walkable ice, but looks thick to no. for viewing. Yeah, some some areas out there look like a big Slurpee or something about now. So, Peter, uh, first of all, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, Henry, and uh, Henry is with Great Lakes Timber, and explain what that is and uh, and how you guys came to know each other. Talk a little bit about uh, it. I got to know Henry about a year or two ago. Actually, we were both out in Washington, D.C. at the same time. Met him. He's actually Scott Dane's counterpart from Wisconsin and Michigan. He does the same thing over ah. there that Scott does here. And, Henry's got a lot of very good political connections, and we were talking about that earlier, and what he does, and it'd be best if Henry explains what he really does, because he's a former logger, and now he does this for a living, and he was telling me he probably works just as much doing this as he did cutting wood, and I kind of like, I don't know about that, Henry. <laughs> well, Henry, uh, Henry, let me just uh, preface this discussion, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say. But before that, I want to let you know, I recently saw a picture of our uh, friend here, Pete Wood, uh, sitting in the White House with uh, uh, Melania Trump, uh, breaking uh, cookies and holding hands, having uh, tea together. Uh, we could talk about that. Henry's got to explain who he is first. <laughs> <laughs> no, he, okay. uh, he did learn something when he was in Washington, obviously, to kind of pass the topic on here. And that's just what he yes. did. Great pass. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's learning that political thing pretty well. I I think so. I I totally agree. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I I was like, 
Peter said I was a self-employed logger and trucker for 32 years. Uh, third generation, I actually still have the 1929 Ford truck that my grandfather hauled wood with. Oh, my God. <laughs> and uh, for some reason, some reason or other, uh, in 2008, I kind of had the calling to go to work for the association. I had been on the board of directors uh, for quite a few years and uh, just, you know, like Peter got involved in different things and started showing up at meetings and stuff. And next thing you know, um, I was asked to be the executive director and represent the loggers and truckers. And we're a, we're a two-state organization, and uh, we cover Michigan and Wisconsin. Uh, the association actually started in 1940, so it's been around for quite a long time. See, Brad, if so, I could uh, jump in here, we've got a caller, yes. and he wants to, he's a, a logger, a trucker, rather, and okay. he wants to ask a question about the restrictions. So, Jeff, go ahead and ask uh, Pete and um, Henry your question. Henry. Thank you. Yeah, my name's Jeff. Hi, Pete. Hi, Henry. I was curious about the 5% weight increase that we used to get for 10 years under law and now the state reinterpreted the law and took it away and one other side note i'll take my answers off the air but another side note they're looking at the 40 ton bridge by island lake the new state patrol guy is they don't know what to do with that bridge yet okay or that's your questions then okay yeah yeah all right on on that thank you for calling in the question on that, what it was is at the state level, Minnesota, no, not, not Wisconsin, but at the state level, the state put the weights. Uh, we used to be able to haul 94.5 and get pulled over. I think it was 94.5. And you could get pulled over and be legal. And how the state law was written back then, I knew there was something not quite right with it, but I thought, well, I'll just go with it anyway. Legally, if you can make it to a mill in Minnesota right now on 10-ton roads, and if you're under 99 or under, they cannot send you a fine in the mail, all right? If you get pulled over roadside, and like at the scale at 2 and 33, or if somebody's running around with the wagons and they pull you over and put the scales on it, you got to be 90000 or lighter. The allowance is not there. So a lot of guys with center mounts and that, if you run a little bit heavier truck, you're going to have to shoot for, if you're going to get pulled over, you're going to have to shoot for about 90000 or under to be legal pulled over. That's the difference. It's at the state level to get that changed. It would be nice to get changed to where we could haul 99, but you cannot. If you there's there's like two different worlds here running here in a way. If you're hauling wood and you get to let's say a paper mill somewhere in Minnesota, and you make it there and you're weighing 98,000 pounds, you can legally haul that. But the DOT is going to come in, and if you're constantly hauling heavy, he may he may not start looking for you. And if he pulls you over and you're weighing ninety four five, you're going to get a ticket. All right, it's just how the state so, law is. So they used to. So Peter, the way I hear what you're saying is that they used to have a little bit of flexibility, a little wiggle room, shall we say? Yes. That if you were, if you were, if the restriction was ninety and you were at ninety four, they would let you go because actually you could haul up to almost 99,000 on right. on the big roads. They were allowing that 5%. Now, as far as it is right now, they can give you a ticket if you're over 90,000. All right. And you're pulled over roadside. 
No, well, that can make a that can make a big difference though on your bottom line, right? I mean, if you have to dump off. <laughs> yes, it can make a big difference. Now instead of hauling that 94, 95, 96, you're down to 90, 92 because you want to watch it. Um, that has to be changed at the state level. It's how it's interpreted by the DOT. Okay. Okay. There, the, I knew back when the law came out. This back probably I don't know, ten, fifteen years ago that it 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 didn't seem quite right. But you know, you got the weight, so you just went home happy and just kept hauling. Now it's interpreted sure. a little bit differently. As far as the forty ton bridge, I don't know exactly everything about that. Okay, but if it's rated at forty tons, complete vehicle, whether it's multi like a trailer and six axle truck, they could. St- get sticky on that and say you're only 80,000 pounds if that's what it's right if that bridge is what it's right at it have to we'd have to talk to the dot we could um well let me get a chance to check on that in the next okay. radio show i could bring it back about the about that bridge but i'll have to have a little time to dig into it so now is this a new bridge peter or or he was saying up by island lake is what i thought he yeah. said and yes. there's a I don't know if it's a bridge that's getting older and they want to keep the weight down or they don't want trucks meeting at the same time to keep the weight down a little bit. I don't know. Oh, I'd have, that could be. Uh, because some of these bridges, when they get older, they don't want two trucks going across at the same time. Instead of having 90,000, now you've got almost 200,000 pounds going across at the same time. Sure. You know, single sure. trucks, one only at a crossing. So the bridge lifespan lasts longer is what I've seen in the past. On this one, I don't know enough about it because I don't haul over in that area, but... Give me a little chance, and hopefully next time I'll have an answer for you out there, okay? All right. Well, guys, we have to take a quick break here. Uh, maybe you can, uh, when we get back, you can talk a little bit more about how both of you kind of wear two hats. Because uh, I, I see, uh, Pete, uh, I know that you're a full-time logger, but you're also kind of a lobbyist, kind of a, a glad-hander for the industry. You kind of help out, and I think Henry is in that same kind of mode. So maybe when we get back from this break, you can both kind of uh, talk about uh, that part of the business. So we'll be right back after this break. Just say something like this. Alexa, launch 710 AM. Now you can access WDSM on your Amazon Alexa device. Just download the Amazon Alexa app. Go to Skills and Games and search for WDSM. Click it and activate. You have 710 AM WDSM enabled. You're good to go. Get the step-by-step instructions at WDSM710.com. The talk of the north on Alexa, 710 and FM 98.1. WDSM. Giant Redwood. Larch. The fur, the mighty Scots pine, the smell of fresh-cut timber, the crash of mighty trees. With my best girl by my side, we'd sing, sing, sing. I'm a lumberjack and I'm okay. I sleep all night and I work all day. He's a lumberjack and he's okay. He sleeps all night and he works all day. I cut down trees, I eat my lunch, I go to the lavatory. On Wednesday I go shopping and have buttered scones for tea. He cuts down trees. Oh, there you go, Brad. You got to go to the lavatory uh, from time to time. The you know, lavatory. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh God! Still laugh all the time. Still laugh. (laughs) I fall apart every time I hear that song. Now that's probably the first time Henry's heard that song. Maybe so. (laughs) Hey, I got a question to ask you on a serious nature, though. We're talking about weights on bridges and roads and things like that. 
how do you know how much weight you've got on your truck unless you're unless you get pulled over into a way station um a lot on the trucks you you get used to what the weight the loads are and airbags have been a big big help they have air gauges on the truck and trailer a lot of guys have okay. air gauges and those have gotten very very accurate on that end of it but a lot of times i still use the line of sight when i'm loading uh how okay. the wood is where it comes from there's a lot of things to take into account when you're doing it yeah you can bump up so all of a have- sudden yeah the the reason I ask that is because we have a, a we have a listener who is a trucker himself uh, didn't I don't think hauled a lot of logs uh, but was a trucker and he said same thing he said your trailers now have airbags on them which you can calculate the pounds on that mm-hmm. and then you have do, does your truck I remember when I rode in your truck in the parade last year I think it had a a dash gauge that'll tell you the tra- the the tractor weight as well. Right? Yes, you have an air gauge in your truck that'll tell you the airbag pressure of your truck airbags. So then you have to also look at your trailer airbag pressures. And a lot of times guys will put them together and figure out what their weight is. After you get used to it, you get a pretty good feel for it. You can get pretty very, very accurate. Now, you can be off okay. by 1,000 pounds. That can be done, no problem. But uh, you're sure. not going to be off by 10,000 pounds. You're not. Okay. But Okay. And on on Henry, he he was ta- we were talking during the break. How over in their area, they have the same issues with bridges and that a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah, mean, how just does- about every state I go to, we have is- issues with bridges. You know, and the thing of it is, is that we we just have to realize at some point in time, uh, a lot of those bridges were put in after World War II in the fifties, and and they do have a yeah. lifespan, and and uh, some of those are coming to the end of that lifespan. But we can. We can mitigate and make them last longer if we do certain things, upgrade them a little bit or, or uh, you know, post them for lower speed limits, that kind of thing. But it, it's sure. an issue no matter where we go. So now, Henry, you cover, do you do work in Minnesota as well in, in the legislative form or are you pretty much Michigan and Wisconsin, that area? I'm pretty much Michigan and Wisconsin. I mean, you, you know, we work with everybody for, for our industry uh, who, who doesn't like trees, right? I mean, it's not a bipartisan yeah. issue for us. It's a forest management issue. And right. we, we know our congressional people very well. We've had actually had uh, uh, Senator Baldwin's been in the woods with us uh, probably half a dozen times uh, working on national forest issues. She's been in harvesters and forwarders and knows about that. Senator Johnson has done the same thing. Of course, Congressman Duffy, he's been around it his whole life. and, and uh, Oh, yeah. We, uh, we we love bringing them out there and showing them what they do, and, and it really gives them a good feel for, you know, what we're doing every day. I would think that that's a, a big part of it. Of course, you guys, like you and Peter both, uh, you know, you work the industry the full time, um, so you've got to be able to split yourself in half a couple of different ways and just decide what's important. But uh uh, you know, if you're anything like Peter, I know he gets himself into these political uh, circles and uh, gets in with the movers and shakers, and that's got to be very important in the industry, I would think. Absolutely. I mean, that that's where the action is. That's where the decisions are made, and, and it's our job to educate them so they can make the right decision. And you've got to be willing to step up and actually meet with these individuals and have an agenda, not an agenda, but basically you've got to be knowing where you want to go with the conversation if you get the meetings. Like with Henry over in Wisconsin, when we were in D.C. this last time, what was it, about two, three weeks ago, Henry wrote in D.C. with the uh, with American Loggers Council? Yeah. Wasn't it like that? And each one goes to different areas, and 
What, which ones did you hit up then when you were in D.C.? Do you remember? Well, we actually we actually hit every office. We we have our packet, and that was 24 visits for us because we take a couple extras in there, and a lot of times we'll have extra packets. And I remember one, one uh, not this year, but the year before, uh, we were standing right there, and, and there was uh, Congresswoman Pelosi's office there, and I walked in and dropped off a packet and actually ended up having a pretty doggone good conversation with one of her staff for a bit there. Um, you know, you just have to take those opportunities when you have them in front of you. We don't get to D.C. that often, but when we go, we make it count. Absolutely. Yeah, you got to sure. make it count, and you don't, you got to have, you got to be willing to move forward with it. And when you do get these meetings, you got to be ready to speak to what really is effective in your area or the country as a whole. And, um, um, like when now, guys, maybe uh, maybe both of you can talk a little bit. When you have a logging conference like that uh, out in Washington, do you have certain politicians that will come? Uh, do you invite people to come to the conference and you have a regular agenda there? Or is it just kind of a whoever wants to show up? We, we, we did this year, actually. We're, we're getting more and more organized every year as we go there. And uh, we, we did have a reception at uh, a local um local uh i guess local association there and, and we had a reception sure. and a lot of folks were invited to come and that gives us that one-on-one time and you know for us i mean yeah we love meeting with the congress person theirself but we'll we like working with staff too i mean a lot of times they're the they're the eyes and ears for that uh uh, congressman and sure. they need to be educated just as well and for us it doesn't really matter and uh, i guess like i said earlier this is not a partisan issue for us this is about the forest and forest management in no our, in our way of life well, exactly your way of life your way of your industry and everything else well guys we've got to take our fox news break did you miss brad this morning catch sound off on your schedule download the podcast today at 710wdsm.com AM 710, and now on FM at 98.1. Well, we're supposed to have Woody Herman's uh, Woodchopper's Ball, Brad, and for some... There it is. Woody was sleeping. That's music, guys. That's music. <laughs> oh, well. So, so Brad, I can explain now why I uh, had dinner with Melania, right? Yeah, I was going to say. Uh, I can't escape I'm that one. Of, I'm seeing a picture of Peter and Melania feeding each other cookies while they're at tea. <laughs> you know mean, what happened in a real case of an area like that? If President Trump would say, Secret Service, he doesn't even get close. Yeah, get him out of here. He's out. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, folks, we were out in D.C., and, and the thing is about going to D.C., I don't like to go to the town, but it's where our rules and regulations and all the things are established for this nation. So right. you have to go if you want to see change in your industry. And we did, when we were there, folks, we did get a meeting with um, Dr. Navarro through our congressman, Pete Stauber. He set up the meeting. Dr. Navarro is head of trade for the Trump administration. He only answers to the president. And so when we got that meeting, let me uh, let me just uh, give me just a little room here to uh, explain what sure. took place here, if you would, folks. Um, 
we get there, you have to be registered in advance. They don't let you just in. There was, I've never seen so many guns in my life everywhere we went, <laughs> other than hunting season. <laughs> Holy cow, everywhere I look. When you get close to those kind of places... They're serious gun packers, oh, aren't they? <laughs> very serious. Good shape, guys. It was nice to see guys in great shape everywhere I looked, except they had these uniforms on with guns. There's dogs, rifles, everything. It was just... It was just almost ridiculous, but every as you got closer to the White House, closer, we did not go in the White House, actually, folks. We actually went into the Eisenhower building, which is where the vice president mm. is. And to get in there, there was, I think, three stages of security, security to go through. It's the first one, you get registered. Okay, you're registered to come in. You go through, and then you go to another one. They check you there. Then another spot, I remember going where you had to put your feet on these one pads, and there's a German Shepherd dog with two security guards right off to your right, right there. And there's, uh, I'm not kidding. I saw it right there. And then finally, I think there's one more where you're actually in the Eisenhower building and then you're free, basically. But you, 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 as a group, you just sit here in this, stand in this one spot and somebody will come and get you and take you to where you want to go. So after a little okay. bit of a while, they came and got us and we went into what was called the war room. And this room is an old room, big, beautiful paintings, beautiful everywhere. And we were probably in there, I think it was out of the 1800s, this, this, this room. And it actually was for, the, I think, the war. I'm not sure, was it the Civil War or whatever. But or 1812. Something. something like that. It's an older building, and it was pretty neat. And then when Dr. Navarro came in, we all sat down at this big table, and we had a very good discussion about trade with Canada, trade with other countries. Our, mostly it was our industry. It was just our industry and the timber industry. And yeah. these, when you're in these meetings, these individuals are very sharp. You think, oh, I can talk and do this. When you're there, you can see the sharpness come out. It's a bit, it's not like sitting down with a regular table with somebody you know. You can tell no. that these guys are very, very intelligent and quick. Because when he was going through the meeting, when he was done with one thing, he said, that's it, move on to the next one. And then when that was done, move on to the wow. next one. It was like that, no lie. Okay. It was just like that. And I was on the other he end of the table. To cover a certain number of things and that's they it. to do it quick. Yeah. It was yeah. talked about trade, the wood products coming in from Canada, pellets. And then we also talked about a company called Incent, E-N-S-Y-N. They're based out of New York. They have a plant up in, in Canada, Quebec. Okay. Okay. Um, that was talked a little bit about. Uh, let me come back to that in just a second, but I want to talk about that here in a minute. The, the meeting went really well. It wasn't for Congressman Stauber, who went and never had the meeting. He's the one that got it. And as the meeting goes on, I thought, I'm not going to get a chance to talk here. I honestly thought that because I don't want to jump in. Uh, if if you're asked to talk, then you talk. It's kind of like that. Right. Because you've yeah. got to respect these people. When you're in these situations, you have to respect. And when the meeting, I thought, it's almost over. I'm not going to get a chance. Then actually what happened is Congressman Stauber did say, Dr. Navarro, I don't want the meeting to end without my friend Peter Wood speaking. I thought, whoa, that caught whoa. me off guard. <laughs> And what I did, folks, what I talked about was I, I said thanked him and that. I thanked the president. But I want to hit on a few things. One was that our government, our own, this is a few things that we said, that I said, that our own government actually puts us at a competitive disadvantage on the world market. And you could tell he was listening very intently. I said, what, whether it's bureaucrats or politicians or whoever, you're actually doing this to us on the world market. And I said, here's an illustration really quick. 
do you know that when we buy new equipment, we have to buy them with the new motors. You have all these emissions, all this technology on it. And a lot of us would like to buy the older motors out of like the late 80s, early 90s, which are like Cummings. Cummings still used to build this one motor called the N14. Everybody thinks they don't build them anymore. They still build that motor today. It's excellent motor, very bulletproof, very efficient. You can work on them in your own shop, and you put them in a wide range of equipment. Well, sure. I said, the Cummings is still building that today. They create them up, and they send them overseas. Now, you tell me who's more efficient. You tell me who's got the upper hand. And a lot of people don't realize that. Cummings still builds that motor today, but they're sending them over across other parts of the world. And then the other people th- you compete against. That's yeah. who we're competing against. Well, who do you think, I asked him, who do you think has a competitive advantage? Now, it doesn't mean everybody's going to buy these motors, but it would be nice no. if we could have the opportunity to buy them ourselves if we wished. Then I also brought up about, um, there's talk about uh, Florida, no, Florida, not Florida, but California, the fires that were happening out there. I said, Florida, oh, yeah. California, I said, is not a big scare to me. And everybody think, what do you mean? There's another spot in the country I think is way, way more potential for major problems. I said, it's Colorado, and that's because of the forest. Boy, is that true. It's yeah. so bad. I was out there one time, and on top of a mountain, and you could see as far as you can see. And a lot of times, you're on top of a mountain, you can see probably 30, 40 miles before your line of sight you can't see anymore. Well, you know, maybe sure. it's 25. But as far as I could see, all I saw was dead trees, gray and reddish trees. Those are so kindred oh. to burn. Okay. Sure. And the other thing is trade with Canada. I said, Canada does not really bother me. Yeah, you know, it's a concern. But I said, there's another place in the world that's way bigger concern to me. Way bigger. I said, it's Russia. If you take all of Canada, folks, and all of the United States, we only have four time zones. We have a vast amount of forest in that, vast amount of resources. Russia has nine time zones. And they're not going to, they have such vast forests, it's unbelievable. What do you think? Who, that's who my concern is. And so I'm well, hoping to have another follow up meeting with Dr. Navarro coming up. He's supposed to be scheduled to come to Minnesota. Don't tell anybody this, but I think it's around the 12th of May, and uh, okay. I'm not sure on it, but he's supposed to be coming around that, And he's, but it's going to be heavy mining. I'm hoping through Congress and Stauber he could get a little side meeting out of this, but we'll see. But that's now, one of the things that took Peter, place. When you, Peter, when you talk about Russian wood, do we get a lot of that into our country? Do we just not know it, but it comes in? Um, I know some does come in. But how okay. I can't talk about it, but okay. yeah, there's some that's coming in. It's it's, it's in a trade different arrangements and yeah, different things. It's sure. not stamped. Sure. It's not stamped Russian. We can put it that way. Okay, but All that's right. there's a concern there. So, but anyway, that's one of the meetings I had, and we had other ones. But Henry, what about the ones that you had? Well, we you know I mean we talked a lot about uh, trucks this year, um, transportation, and you, you know. As you know, there was an issue here in, in Duluth a couple of years ago and that we had to come through town instead of using I-35. And what we're right, proposing, I remember that. Yeah, what we're proposing yeah. right now is the, called the Safe Routes Acts of 2019. And that act, uh, Congressman Mike Gallagher out of the Green Bay Area is, is going to introduce that for us and is based purely on safety. And the only thing it does is it takes the trucks off the local roads and our local communities and lets them run, gives them the option to run on the interstate. You know, a lot of times, okay. uh, just like in Duluth here, we were coming down perfectly good road. We got to turn off, go through rural communities and stuff. Can't get on the interstate. Well, with this bill, whatever's legal in your state, you can go on the interstate with. I mean, it just stands the reason if the state allows you to run on their roads, 
the interstates yeah. obviously built much better than the local roads you know at Absolutely. least at the same standard and but we're we're staying on a good road no stops uh you know we're going to save a little bit of fuel which eliminates some greenhouse gas emissions and i don't know what that number is but if i start working on it and start adding it up the number of loads that we do that sure. but it's it's just strictly based on safety and again it's a bipartisan issue it's all about safety it has nothing to do with more weight on the interstate or anything like that it is strictly safety and so we're pushing that pretty hard all right well guys hang on a minute we're going to hang you on to the top of the hour here uh, but we have to take another commercial break i just want to remind our listeners uh, very quickly that even though the home show is long gone or at least has come and gone home show pricing is still in effect uh, courtesy of Les Grumdahl Window and Siding. They install new Plygem Premium Vinyl Windows, Les Grumdahl Window and Siding. Uh, you get the fi- factory triple glaze, three sheets of glass special right now. With Plygem Windows, there's new colors, a multitude of styles, custom sizing, interior trim options, all backed up by a lifetime warranty. Be energy efficient and comfortable every season. It's never too early or too late to have your new windows installed. Les Grumdahl Window and Siding is celebrating their 70 years in the business. So give them a call today at 728-3060. That's 728-3060. Or go to lesgrumdahl.com to see some of the work they've got. We're going to take our break, and then we'll come back and wrap up Let the Sawdust Fly with uh, Peter and Henry. We'll be right back. WDSM time 953, National Weather Service in Duluth, 48 degrees, 36 at Sky Harbor, Bradley. Nice, very nice. Going to get very nice over the weekend, I think. At least it looks like that. Hey, uh, we have uh, Peter Wood, of course. Uh, This is the last Wednesday of the month, and we have Peter Wood in from the logging and trucking industry. He has a friend with him today, uh, Henry, and I believe it's pronounced Scheinbeck or Shinbeck, uh, and Henry, you know, you guys were both talking a little bit uh, about, well, Peter, you you mentioned it, that you brought, brought up to Navarro, that if you could still use some of the things like the Cummings uh, engines from back uh, a few few years ago, that would be a benefit. What, what made those engines so good? Was the simplicity of it, or was it the fact they're that... They were very uh, well perfected. They were excellent machining ability. They just were very, very good. It's just one of the motors that a lot of people out there could recognize. They're in semis a lot. It's, they were just okay. very engineered very, very well, and they're well built, and they would last, and they'd go, and you could even work on them in your own shop, where today's motors, you have a hard time because there's so many sensors and wires and that. It doesn't sure, mean every, it sure. doesn't mean everybody's going to buy it, but a lot of people I talk to would gladly grab them today if they could and put them in new vehicles okay. without a doubt. But remember how I mentioned about the the company Ensent E N S Y N. They're a company out of yes. they have a plant up in Canada. They they we I met the president when we were in D.C. A very nice guy from the company, and what they do is they take wood waste and turn it into biofuel, and they burn it in plants and. They have a contract, ah. actually, with the city of Duluth. I do believe with the University of Minnesota. And they're looking at doing one with the mines up on the range for burning their fuel. And there's only one thing holding it up, and that's uh, some stuff to do with the EPA in Washington, D.C. And that was one of the things we were trying to push when we were there with Dr. Navarro and Congressman Stauber. 
is to get this through the EPA, and all it is is just a few little things in it, and they would be up and running. Granted, their plant is in Quebec right now, but if they could get this going, they want to build a $125 million plant here in Minnesota. They want to build it, and that, that, I'm not lying, this is from them themselves, and they have the money, they have the ability, they have everything, but they need this through at the, at the, at the national level on the EP end of it, EPA end of it to get it accomplished, and that's the only thing that's holding it back. So if we can get that, that's roughly close to 500 construction jobs there, folks, and probably I'm going to say 50, 60 full-time employee per, uh, positions. And they're going to consume right around 250,000 tons of wood waste. So like the bioenergy, what we used to haul for biomass that went down yep. the toilet here about a year ago. Right. right. It would take that, and they would look at even building more than one plant. But they need this through at the, at the, at the, sta- at the national level to get this through so they could get going on it. Yeah, it's, it's so one, Peter, one of those things. Go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Henry, both you and Peter, this would give you guys a new market for your product in essence. Yeah, so the market would be uh, not against co- competition for the roundwood like the plants get, like the paper mills and that. This is wood waste. Right. This is the trash that uh, we would normally don't really, you can't have a market for really. It would be a good benefit. It would be a good bonus. It would really help out the timber industry. It would help out the whole area. It would help out like if private landowners have wood they want to get cleaned up, it would help them out a bit. Yeah, there, sure. I mean, there's waste in just about every process we have. And, and, you know, we keep talking about renewable energy and renewable energy standards and those types of things. And this would be like, all right, let's quit talking the talk and start walking the walk and let's get something exactly. done that's going to matter. Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like this company has the money to be able to build the plant and to create a, a product that would really help uh, they do. economically and environmentally both. They do have all that. They just need this through at the, at the federal level of the EPA. They have the technology. They have the money. They have everything. It's just the green button from the EPA. Yeah, it, it, you know, and, and kind of getting back to going to D.C. a little bit here, that's what I love about working with Peter and Scott and the whole group here in our industry because these guys realize that, as the old saying goes, if you're not – at the table, you're on the menu. These guys yep. realize they got to be at the table, and that's exactly what they're doing. It, yeah. <laughs> We're looking pretty tasty now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, we? That was a great way to great way to end the show for this uh, for this way too, uh, guys. Uh, Henry and and Peter, I want to thank you both for coming on the air with us this morning. Uh, I'll tell you what, this little segment that we thought we would give a try for an hour uh, one uh, one Wednesday way back when has turned into a, a pretty successful program that a lot of people enjoy listening to. And I think we learn a lot about an industry, well, actually two industries, logging and trucking, that uh, that I don't think we would have ever found out had we not had the expertise of having guys like you come in and, and talk to us. So well, thank I want to thank you both for that. Thank you yeah, very much, you and Brad and Kenny and the folks out there listening. You're willing to give us a little bit of your time to listen about our industry that it means a lot to us and thank you all very much well thank you peter and henry thank you for coming in this morning hope to meet you sometime personally we will be back our number three will be coming up shortly here on sound off on a wednesday morning in the northland a talk of the north K220 BFFM at 710 WDSMA Superior Duluth.